Welcome back. This is Pastors of the Roundtable, uh, the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, together again, as all four of us, Tim, Scott, Dave, and Spencer, and we're here uh, today to continue our study through, uh, you know, talking about what Baptists believe about the church. Baptist Ecclesiology 101, uh, what we believe uh, the church is and uh, and how we should function in our life together. Uh, we talked about a number of different things so far in this series, the invisible church, uh, visible church distinction, the church as God sees it, the church as we see it. Um, we've talked about Jesus Christ being the head of the church, calling this church together, and he calls together us as, as a particular uh, local church. We also talked about the complete power um, that Jesus Christ has uh, given to each particular local church to do everything it needs to do um, in itself. And uh, this week we're going to ask the question, how has Christ organized the church? How has Christ organized the church? So we move from simply thinking about the church as a gathering of believers, the gathering of the saints, to now thinking about, okay, but whenever we look at the church on the ground, it's organized in a certain way, um, in a certain specific way that Jesus Christ has has appointed. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about um, today. So uh, I want to read this paragraph uh, from the uh, Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, the 1689 Baptist Confession. And I think it's paragraph eight. And uh, then we will kind of talk about it. Um, that's what we do here. Um, we talk. So it says here, a particular church gathered and completely organized according to the mind of Christ consists of officers and members and the officers appointed by Christ to be chosen and set apart by the church, so-called and gathered for the peculiar administration of ordinances and execution of power or duty, which he entrusts them with or calls them to, to be continued to the end of the world, are bishops or elders and deacons. So we're talking about the organization of the church. And uh, this right away says the church, whenever we consider it as completely organized, because there is the sense in which a church um, in its infancy, it is theoretically possible that there are local churches that are just have believers, but there's no one there who's actually called yet to be the pastor of that church. And it is possible for a church to exist, but it's not complete yet. It's not fully mature uh, like it should be. But if we're thinking about a church the way it ideally should be, a mature, completely gathered church according to the mind of Jesus Christ, which is very important. Notice again the emphasis here in what does Jesus want, and Jesus teaches us what the church should look like in the scriptures. This statement of faith says a particular church consists of, is made up of officers and members. So you're going to have two, in a sense, distinctions, and it's a distinction within the church between officers and members. All the members of the church are all, or excuse me, all the officers of the church are also members of the church, but not all the members of the church are officers of the church. Scott's smiling. What do you think about that statement, you Scott? Don't, you don't want to know. Yeah, we do. No, you don't. <laughs> okay. Oh, All right. Yes. Okay, so, well. Completely, it's relevant, but it's, you know, I'll okay. tell you after. Okay. 
All right. Whoa. So we'll do a little thing after when yeah. Scott leaves. Yeah, that'll, that'll be, all, that'll be the after. That'll be the uh, what? What's that like? The, whenever you do a, a second half where it's like you have to pay for that part. Oh yeah, right? yeah. It's oh, like yeah. A, the Patreon, a pay, you're gonna be our Patreon supporter. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear what Pastor Scott was thinking <laughs> for five dollars a month. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so first of all, let's talk about this. What is an officer? Or what is an office? What are we talking about whenever, I mean, first of all, it says there's officers and members. Um, what are we meaning? What's an office even in the, that abstract idea? I mean, that means that in scripture, we see that there are specific roles of people within the church that have been laid out for us and talked about, given guidelines for even in scripture. Like as we're going through First Timothy right now, as Tim's preaching through that on Sunday mornings, We've kind of alluded that that's coming of the qualifications for this specific person in the life of the church. And so that's in general, like what we mean by office, Yeah, um, that there is, there's a specific role within the church. It's not just everybody's a member. Everybody has just, well, everybody is equal in that sense, but there are specific roles mm-hmm. that are given to specific people. So what are some examples of offices? I mean, this is going to be very easy, but. Popes, popes. Right. That's an infallible office. Okay, popes. You got uh, popes. cardinals, cardinals, yeah. blue jays. <laughs> okay, let's say blue jays. <laughs> um, outside of church world, what are off? What are examples of office in the outside the outside of oh, the church walls? President, president is an office. Governor, governor. So those are specific <clears throat> positions that are entrusted with specific powers. Mm-hmm. Um. And there are people like um, somebody might hold that office, but that doesn't mean they're always going to hold that position or office forever. Unless you're a queen. Unless you're the queen. Or a king. Well, and even then, you are born a prince or a princess first, right? Yeah. So you don't hold it forever. That's what I'm trying to say. Ouch. You know know what I mean? So, Scott needs to rush up on this prince and princess. That will be further. Do you have a comeback? (laughs) No, no. Oh man, this is a battle. This is one of those uh, those battles where right where it's like, what do they call those things where you do like a A rap battle? Rap battle. (laughs) Hey, by the way, your son wrote a rap last night. Oh yes, or was it during church? Which one? They all worked it out on Minecraft. Did you get to read it? Yeah, it was a Minecraft or Roblox rap. Are you guys Minecraft. listening Did you read to it? Christian rap? I told him, I said, you have to go take this to your dad so yes. you can read it. Because Uriah was going to rap it to me, and I he was taking him a while, so I said, you know what, Uriah, just give it to me, I want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I just read it. And it kind of had I, a beat to it? It kind of yeah. had a rhyme thing. <laughs> yep. And I said, Ryle, you wrote this? He's like, yeah, I just wrote it. Yep. Wow. Luke, so Luke wrote it all down, and he read it to us last night. Yeah, Luke had it on his phone. On his phone, yeah. Wow. His notes. <laughs> so... I never thought clearly of, you need to encourage this by changing. And you're in music. there. You're yeah. in there. Your vest yeah. is your vest is in there. He, he, he referenced your vest. My vest. Yeah. Is in it's there? not some bluegrass song. It wasn't some country song. Wow. He specifically said, "I wrote a rap." Man, yep. God wow. is still sovereign. I think it's all the. I think it's all the NBA 2K. That would going be. On at your okay, house. I got to be honest. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's where they listen to the rap music. But uh, but if. If somehow my children become R and B or rap artists, <laughs> that'd be awesome. That is, it would be awesome. That would, that is be a dream. Uh, be, yes, that would be. I'd go to all their concerts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. Well, I would support it. I would support, it. Yeah. I would support it. yeah, don't push yeah. their dreams away. Yeah, concert. don't don't no. deny them their dreams. They can move to Nashville. Wow. They could. Yeah, no, you don't go to Nashville. Not for rap. No, not no. Well, there's. I mean, Lecrae, Detroit. There's, 
I'm thinking of Christian. <laughs> Christian, <laughs> I'm getting the look. No. Scott, where do you so go where for? Where do you go? LA? Huh? Yeah, Brooke, you go to Brooklyn, LA or South like Bronx, go to Nashville. You can go to Detroit. Detroit. Right Detroit. Nashville's go to Eminem. Yeah, go to Eight Mile. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, they, they already live in Frenchtown. There's drive by shootings yeah, and things like that. Thing. That's probably. Hey, you know what? You can make fun of Frenchtown all you want, Pot Boy. <laughs> <laughs> all your Monroe Everybody Township. Happy. <laughs> Everybody here is happy. <laughs> That's true. No. no. I'm sorry, Scott I'm doesn't smoke pot. I wasn't meaning that. Mm. I was meaning that he lives in a township that yeah. is pro that. Only secondhand. Yeah, only secondhand. <laughs> No, no, dude. The other day, I seem really relaxed. One so, day. <laughs> so I was coming out of a store. It was actually Kroger down there. Uh, was that yesterday after Can't church? Remember, man, and, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was potent. Listen. My it, drive's yeah. home sometimes. That Ohio license plate in front of me. Yeah, like I know what they bought. Yeah, oh, yeah. I could, it was. It was like sometimes you can smell it, but I was like, oh my goodness, this is fresh. Yeah. Wherever I'm at, this is strong stuff. I could smell it. So yeah. they probably got it from the. Yeah, right down the street. Yeah, the warehouse. Right. Where everybody knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outlet. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I distracted So us. we're talking about offices. Yeah. So offices. How do we get to rap? Officers. You brought it up. Yeah, but you said some. somebody said something about rap. Oh, a, a battle rap. Yeah. Battle. yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Going back and forth because I brought about prince and princesses. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. It was just um, getting tense in here. I'd yeah, it's a little, little uncomfortable. Um, so there's two officers, two positions of... of, uh, of um, of office of recognition <laughs> of recognition so but office is intended to serve right that's a very important thing i think yeah. to say is it uh, the offices in the church are primarily ones of service to take care of and seek the good of other people they're not positions for personal aggrandizement personal grandeur um things like that yeah let me ask a question uh maybe dave can answer or maybe spencer with your history uh so we sit here and we very easily are saying there's two offices uh, scripturally. Um, I think you already said this, right? A bishop, elder, pastor, overseer, well, same yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. right? And then deacon. Mm-hmm. So that's the two offices. Why then do we see in the Catholic Church, <clears throat> and it seems in some other denominations, why do we see more than that? I mean, if it's so plain to us, and scripturally it seems so plain, mm-hmm. what is the history behind behind that i guess because mm. what what would the do you guys know what the roman catholic church would say i would say probably partially they might argue from the text of scripture but remember their final authority is not scripture alone yeah. it's scripture i know but how tradition. many do you know how many offices they would say would, would they say, say at the least pope, three in office yeah cardinals in office bishop bishops in office and then the priests and deacon because there's deacons who yeah. work pretty hard around here for the Catholic Church. They yeah. do funerals and everything. Yeah, there's at least three. I mean, that would be three offices would be the standard idea for um, like the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. But of course, they might have grades of bishops. You know, you've got archbishops. Um, yeah, and and you can be ordained as a in the Episcopal Church as a priest or presbyter, depending on what you want to call it, and a deacon. Um, it's also important to say that what we're talking about here, the, uh, these are offices that are ordained for the, in, for the, uh, the local church, because there are other offices that Christ ordained that are extraordinary, like apostle mm-hmm. or prophet or even evangelist, right? Those are extraordinary offices that um, ceased uh, whenever mm-hmm. uh, the apostolic period ceased. 
So what we're talking about here are the church offices that continue, that are the ordinary ones, the permanent ones. And uh, there are, yeah. you're right, there are different yeah, denominations. I didn't mean it for confusion. I just know no. in our area, yeah. that would be yeah. a, a mm-hmm. common thing. And mm-hmm. that yeah. would be a question that I would have is like, so how are we so different on this? Because mm-hmm. it does seem, again, I'm Baptist, right. right? It does seem, it says, Very clear. there's pastor, there's deacon. I don't, sure. I don't see all the other ones mm-hmm. in there. I guess I know their Pope, the well, Pope and, one a little and bit. And partially but. this too is how you approach scripture again. We, we talked about, um, so if you approach scripture from the perspective that anything the Bible doesn't forbid is okay, right? then when it comes to church government, you're going to say, well, as long as I'm not doing something explicitly contradicting scripture, I can create as many offices as I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, Baptists and our past tradition said, no, when it comes to church stuff, when it comes specifically to how Jesus Christ wants the church run, we don't go beyond his word. He tells us what he wants, and we don't add to that. So we can't create new yeah. offices. Which, to be fair, I know I'm talking about Roman Catholic, but to be fair, tell me what you guys think about this. It mm-hmm. seems like Baptist life, we have created one called minister that we would say is different than pastor because I see people hiring, quote-unquote, ministers, mm. and they would it could be a woman or a man, they would okay. say. And it seems as if that is some authoritative position, but also not, which can get confusing even to myself when I look into those. Into so what those kind things. of, what would their titles usually be if you're giving an example? Of It'd be like children's minister, minister, children's youth, minister, minister youth minister, music minister. Yeah. Uh, I've seen like uh, elderly minister. I've seen this and mm-hmm. it would be even in Baptist life. It would be, it could be any gender because it's minister. So mm-hmm. it doesn't say deacon. It doesn't say pastor, uh, which the Bible says should be a man right? and that's their way out. And it's almost like some Baptists have created this third office of minister mm-hmm. of which the Bible does say that we are all ministers mm-hmm. to minister, yeah. right? That's what, that's to what serve. the pastors yeah, and do. That, they and the quit. word minister simply means to serve, serve yeah. which is yeah. actually the same word as deacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Know, to serve. But yeah. it does come across yeah, so to me at times mm-hmm. like, uh, it's another office. It's, it seems right. like, oh. yeah. Well, and, and one other way, I mean, we've seen this, uh, I think, in SBC life, where some people will say, for instance, our um, statement of faith, uh, the Baptist faith and message, whenever it talks about what a pastor is and the fact that it can only be a man, they'll say, well, that's just talking about a senior pastor. Hmm. not a not, And that's another thing where the term itself is not bad, but it is bad if you think that's a separate category yeah. other than, you know, as if you've got the, you know, they're, they're, it's totally fine to have a the term senior pastor or even associate pastor as long as you don't think those are like separate categories of a hierarchy, a hierarchy yeah. or a third office. Yeah. Um, which happens. The, which does happen. I mean, what's the danger <clears throat> of using extra biblical language? Yeah. To define and to not to give too much credit to, to the Catholic Church, but I mean like a bishop, right? They have bishops. That that yeah. is a word that's used in the Bible. Yes. We just understand that bishop is synonymous with pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Because mm-hmm. pastors used is it presbyteros, a presbyter yeah. mm-hmm. that's also yep. used. Mm-hmm. Yep. We just understand all those words to be used interchangeably yeah, of synonymous. the same thing. Yeah. So it's not like a Presbyterian understanding of like a presbyter. I don't even know if that's where they make mm-hmm. that argument from. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking ignorance there, but like a, uh, there being bishops over certain areas early on in the Catholic mm-hmm. church. And then eventually the one in Rome became the most powerful one. So there, there's the Pope. 
But like those are biblical terms, but the understanding of what those terms are and how they're used in Mm -hmm. scripture has shaped the way Baptists understand that that those are all still referring to just one office. Mm -hmm. And to be fair too, it's even non-Baptist people who have noted the same thing you're saying. So it's not just simply a Baptist thing where we're saying, these words all seem to be talking about the same office. There the are same, no, the same. They have the same function, right? There, there yeah. refer. There are different words to describe the the same office, and and we're not the only people who've noticed that in in history. There have been people outside of the Baptist fold who have said, "Yeah, that that's actually right." If it just if, if in the New Testament mm-hmm. itself, so. Um, there are numerous, numerous ways, like you said, whether we, we use the word minister um, or whatever, that we can unintentionally or, or intentionally be trying to create other offices than those appointed by Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think it just comes down to that word authority and what that means in, in Scripture, because these, what we're talking about, are offices that carry with it authority. Yeah. Right. And what does that authority do and what does it, what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, there and that's where the discussion usually would come in at least in southern baptist life when talking about that mm-hmm. you know what is a minister doing well they don't hold this authority they're not preaching from the pulpit or when the church is gathered mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so it's a bigger discussion i understand but it does from an i'm just trying to think as an outsider looking in like we're talking about roman catholics looking from the outside looking yeah. in a roman catholic could come back and say well i looked at your webpage and <laughs> you sure. didn't just have pastor and deacon you right. had minister of this and that and that. Right. What's all that? Right. 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 What are all these things? Exactly. You know, so I just. That's fair. That's yeah. very fair. Yeah. That's trying to... um, okay. So first of all, what is the calling of a pastor or an, the, the term bishop, by the way, right, is it simply means overseer um, or, or elder or whatever term well, we want to call it. I've stole this from uh, Benjamin Keach, who was an old uh, Baptist um in the 1600s, uh, he wrote a book or a little, a little, a little. I don't know if you'd call it a book, but it's a short work on uh, an overview of what the church should be. And he he describes the work of a pastor and uh, gives these various uh, uh, things about what their work imp- involves. Uh, first of all, it is the calling of a pastor is to preach the word of Christ, feed the flock, and administer all the ordinances of the gospel. So the first thing he mentions is preaching the word, feeding the flock with the word of God. So that is the the primary function that he he lists at the very beginning. Second of all, it's to visit the flock and to care for them. Thirdly, it is to pray for and with the flock. Uh, his and and he it's also the idea of his flock. So he's not praying with every single Christian in the city. He's praying with the flock that he has been called to shepherd. And to sympathize with them in every state and condition. Uh, fourthly, to show the flock a good example in his walk. And then fifthly, to impartially carry out his duties. And what he means by this is that we don't prefer, uh, the like for instance, we don't go to the rich and uh, serve them better than we do the poor. Or uh, also, he points out, not assuming more power than God has given us. So uh, we, we must act in humility. We can't go around and act as if we've been made the boss of everybody. Yeah. We, have certain, we have a certain office a cert, with certain duties to carry out, and that's it. Um, and we can't go beyond that authority but what Christ has given us. So what do you guys think about the, 
Keach's quick overview of the work of a pastor. I was going to read a passage that came to mind that it seems like he drew a lot of this from, yeah. was which is First Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 2, when he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so it just, I mean, he mentioned several of those things. Yes. It also, I think, brings out that there is a chief shepherd that Mm. all under shepherds serve underneath his authority, which is Christ. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the other, so this is what, whenever Benjamin Keach, our Baptist forefather, whenever he thought of what a pastor should do, this is what he thought. What are some things today that, rightly or wrongly, can get thrown into a pastor's duty on top of what he thought a pastor was to do. Yeah. You had pointed out that it's feeds the flock, meaning his flock visits Mm -hmm. his flock, pray for and with his flock, Mm -hmm. show the flock a good example in his walk and partially carry out his duties. Right. Not, which means don't, uh, but it says here, not preferring the rich, don't show favoritism favoritism, Mm -hmm. again to your flock. Uh, What it comes across as now is I'm actually a pastor to the city. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm uh, to reach out to this community. I'm I'm to be the one to lead the charge to fight Satan in this community. Mm. And it, it becomes more outward mm. than what really Scripture talks about as a, a more inward thing. And so what's coming to the table too often for pastors is, you know, events or opportunities or things to do outside to get people in instead of allowing the pastor to care for those who are in and trust that organically what will happen as you care and love the people in uh, people from out will join in because your congregation is going to be living the Christian life. They're supposed to be living Mm -hmm. and caring for people. Right. Yeah. Um, But instead it's become, no, that's my job to give opportunities to all of these people to do for stuff for, for people outside of our walls. And, that, I think that can be a real distraction because it's it's veiled as something good, yeah. right? I'm doing charity work. I'm doing all this. But it actually isn't the role of the pastor. Uh, the pastor is to care for the flock. The flock then goes and lives their life and deals with their vocation. And as a result, they minister to each other. But they're also going to end up ministering to their neighbors, uh, to family members, whoever it might mm-hmm. be, right? And that's then where yeah. that mission is happening and taking place. So. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that a lot from from people. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they'll throw things across the desk of opportunities or whatever it may be, you know, and we should jump on board with this and we should do this. And it's like, those aren't bad things. I'm not saying that's a yeah. bad thing. It's just that's not actually what the church is. Mm-hmm. Like, go ahead and be a part of that. If you right. want to get some friends to do it, go, go do it. But sure. I don't want to spend my time on doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things I think that you notice that's very different from the idea of a pastor is, um, and today, oftentimes what people want in a pastor is a CEO. Yeah, that was the other thing. And so there's, there's, like no, mm-hmm. there's, no, um, uh, there's no administrative skills he needs to have to run a major. Well, he has to administer the ordinances. He gives so there's yeah. administration. There. So he administers baptism and the Lord's <laughs> Supper. But he doesn't like run a huge uh, organization. Yeah, you know he's not like um, trying to manage this this uh, all the 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 machine of mm-hmm. a church. That's very. I mean, that's a, so. There's there's a difference between a CEO 
and a, and a shepherd. Yeah. That's all we are. Yeah. I mean, in, in some ways, it's what he's calling us back to is just to really realize the, the down-to-earthiness mm-hmm. nature of, of pastoral work is we're just shepherds. Yeah. I noticed a shift, like, I think, like, in the late nine like the late nineties, you know, like even getting more courses and more like you hear more about like, you know, leadership as far and leadership's good, obviously, you know, but like John Maxwell, all the other big leadership stuff, like, you know, it's almost like, yeah, you know, theology, it's good, you know, doctrine, but you really need to be a great leader, you know, and you need to have vision and you need to, you need to have, uh, you know, like I remember having to write out like a, uh, you know, a five-year plan, you know, for ministry and, uh, you know, all that and the the personality tests and all that. And again, it's not bad stuff, but I think there's a shift because our culture has shifted to that kind of attractional consumeristic, you know, like we need to have this strong kind of like Mm -hmm. drive a business model because we want to draw in people. We want to bring in the, the, the attract the people. So, mm-hmm. and you're right. And that's why churches started hiring, hiring executive pastors. That yeah. was a big thing. And I think the, the reality was there was, there was a big movement. Um, it's interesting. You can even see, I, if I remember reading, um, well, Scott, you've read that book um, by Greg Wills about uh, Baptist church life in the South and church discipline. Have you ever read that book? Yeah. And I think at the tail end of that book, doesn't he bring up what happened even in the South as you get closer to the 1900s? Um, with bigger churches, and you have, uh, I'm going to use the word corporatization of church life yeah. uh, gradually, um, more and more. So pastors move away from being shepherds of people they know to leaders of corporations. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is, is to see the church not as a flock where you're trying to know the individual sheep. It's, I'm a pastor who is a CEO trying to run a corporation. Yeah. And there's kind of a shift, a, it, probably gradual over time. But and it came, I mean, that kind of shift came with the, the, the huge cultural shift that came with the Industrial Revolution yeah. and a desire for efficiency mm-hmm. in all areas of life. Like yeah. it was seen in the workplace, in, in corporations or whatever. And that was part of that move of not only to look at, and this developed further into the 1900s, but it wasn't just for the senior pastor. That's where the idea of the senior pastor mm. comes in. And then all these under pastors who have like to the youth or the music, it was all seen as, well, that's the most efficient thing to do to not get a generalist, which this kind of yeah like lays out a general pastor. That's just, this is their general description, but to have pastors with specific areas of expertise because yeah. that's more efficient but that all that comes with the same kind of corporate mindset mm-hmm. that just kind of carried over from the culture yeah into, definitely into what they're doing but yeah yeah no and i think also tied into that then is uh, it'd be interesting to see how large benjamin keach's church was because to do this work you you typically you can't have a mega church to do a lot of this stuff because you have to be able to actually visit your flock and care for them. There's and examples know them. of larger churches. I think like I've heard that Spurgeon's church did a really good job of those. And they had a plurality of elders that would do that because I mean, he had yeah. a mega church, right? But I mean, certainly what you're saying is right. Like if you modern day, like if your church doesn't have an understanding of like a plurality of elders and that yeah. all of those have the same function in that yeah. sense, 
then yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah. If it's just a senior pastor, no, there's no way he can do this. Right. Right. Not under that kind of thinking. Right. 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 It certainly gets more difficult. Definitely. The larger your church is. Well, and I think that there was an idea eventually that, that bigger is better. And therefore, um, like you said, the, the idea of a pastor has to change. Mm-hmm. So there's the office of pastor, but then there's also the second office of deacon, um, which has the idea of being a servant or an assistant. Um, Benjamin Keach also uh, gives the uh, uh, statements, gives a breakdown of what the, a deacon's role is. And it's very interesting. There's this, they, they use this um, same breakdown that deacons playing off of Act 6, they serve tables and they would break it down into three tables. They serve the Lord's table, they serve the minister's table, and they serve the poor's table. And it's fascinating because Benjamin Keach writes this, this same idea of these three tables is found in uh, another famous Baptist writer, John Gill, the Charleston Association, which was a very foundational for Southern Baptist life in their summary of church discipline says the same exact thing. And then in the Pendleton manual, which is where our, our, our church uh, kind of has some roots from, and they pointed uh, towards, they follow this, it's the exact same three-table breakdown. So it's, it's got a long pedigree, um, at the very least, of what deacons are to do. First of all, he says they're to provide for the Lord's table, so providing bread and wine for the Lord's, uh, the Lord's Supper. Secondly, they provide for the Lord's table. He says they see that every member contributes to the maintenance of the ministry according to their ability, and then thirdly, they provide for the poor's table. They see that each member gives weekly to the poor as God has blessed him. And also they visit the poor, know their condition, and see that none are neglected, especially um, aged widows. So those three tables are how um, Benjamin Keach summarizes um, uh, the ministry and the work of, of a deacon. Um, yeah. Thoughts about that? It's interesting because uh, the deacon's ordination service we just had, it was my second time doing uh, having being a part of a deacon's ordination and the first time in my previous church they used these this the pendleton um okay. uh, manual and and keach specifically these three tables mm. uh and we kind of that was kind of our outline for the service yeah. to ordain uh to to uh, men as deacons so uh, i'd never been familiar with that until then so just reading this i'm like oh yeah i remember that yeah good, good old benjamin yeah yeah it's got a long pedigree <laughs> um yeah so Thoughts on deacons? Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep them. Oh, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a vital part of the of the church, obviously, because Scripture tells us as much and lays it out um, what they are. We see in Acts six this kind of play out uh, in the, in the early church of what happens and takes place and. Paul, Paul finds it to be such an important role in the church that he would lay out in Timothy and Titus and other of like um, qualifications. This is what you need yeah. to look for in a, in a deacon. And so that, that points to its importance. Um, deacons are seen differently, I think, at different churches uh, as well, at least amongst Baptists. Some seem to have some sort of uh, power or rule spiritually. Uh, other churches, they are seen as servant leaders. And so it wouldn't necessarily be spiritual authority 
but it would be an authority of recognizing these men to be men of good character, of good witness, who love the Lord and who love to serve the church that they are a part of. And so they're giving given a leadership role in that way to help lead that, to help get more people involved in that of service of service. Um, and so here we we uh, we have deacons. I think we have twelve now. After. For the twelve apostles. Well, no. Well, maybe I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna have to get rid of one of them. <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> Do we cast lots for any? <laughs> uh, but you know, our deacons uh, here, their primary roles is they do have lists of like shut-ins or, or some of the people who are older in the church to check on them regularly. They do things around the building, uh, taking care of stuff, often. Uh, and generally, they're they're just wanting to help help serve that the best the best that they can, and I think they do a they do a pretty good job with that, and usually wanting to do more right, wanting to do the best they can in it. And so, I see it as a as a positive, and if the church would allow them to, uh, I think their ministry would be even more important. But sadly, what you see a lot of times is we, like Scott was saying, I think before we rank these offices and we see pastor as much more important than deacon. And so when the deacon visits somebody, it's not like the pastor visiting somebody. And they would, I've even heard people say, my church don't care. And then when you find out, well, two deacons visited you. Yeah, but that's not the pastor. It's like, no, but they're part of the church. And the church obviously cared because they were there for you. Um, And our deacons serve in that way, honestly, very well uh, of of reaching out. Yeah, It's a big help. I mean, a distinction between these two offices seem to be, I mean, maybe this is making it too simple, but that pastors are to take care or to care for the souls of the people and the deacons seem more functional to take care of the needs of the people, more practical ministry, not just not teaching necessarily in that sense. And mm-hmm. that's that's one of the major distinctions between the two lists of qualifications yeah. that exist between pastors and deacons in First Timothy chapter 3. Pastors must be able to teach, and that's not said of deacons, uh, even yeah. though they must hold the faith yeah. in good standing. But that seems to be the difference. Mm-hmm. I actually thought of a question, though, and it's not meant to be a zinger. I, I genuinely want to know what, what you guys have to, to say, but like the, the statement in the confession says a particular church gathered and completely organized according to the mind of Christ consists of officers and members and the officers appointed by Christ. So these two offices say according to the mind of Christ <clears throat> of of elders and deacons did we see Christ actually speak of these offices? No. So like how can we say that? Like what is that like, I don't know. I, yeah, just, I, I think would that say, might be a question. I would say because the apostles are the ones who thought of deacons yeah, in Acts chapter six. Yeah, but I, right? we believe the Holy Spirit is the one who penned this word. Right. We believe uh, in John. It teaches us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus is the Word, and so that's one of the problems. Right? Is you have people, red letter Christians, who say, "Well, Jesus said it, so it's more important." Uh, Jesus said it all, mm-hmm. from in the beginning all the way to the end. He said it all, and so we can't. Uh, say this part of scripture is much more important than this part of scripture. We don't have the right to do that because it all flows from the mouth of Christ. And so uh, Christ, when Paul was writing in Timothy and in Titus, it was Christ uh, saying that. And that's what we believe scripture is. And so that's why we can say Christ has designated these offices. Yeah, that's a good question, Scott. And I think like what Tim said, um, Jesus set this up 
by through the apostles, you know, after the, you know, and I guess that's a helpful reminder to us as we read the book of Acts. Sometimes we think about, right, Luke is about Jesus and Jesus is now in heaven. So Acts is about the apostles, but Luke kind of gives us a hint at the very beginning and says that my former treatise, I wrote about what Jesus began to do. And so Acts is just about what Jesus is still doing. Only Jesus is doing it from the throne in heaven as the ascended Christ. And so as the king, he, uh, through his authorized messengers, the apostles, um, appointed and showed forth his mind mm-hmm. uh, to ordain and uh, to appoint that elders and deacons would be the permanent offices. Mm-hmm. So I would guess that would be the, the overall way in which we would we would typically argue for um, this being, being Christ's appointment. But that's a really good point um, to make, I think, uh, about that. So, um, I can't find how big Keech's church was. I'm trying. I've tried. <laughs> I've been doing we're really here. bad about keeping records. <laughs> they say like when he was saved, what age, when yeah. he was baptized, they He'll, say what church it was. Church. It later became Spurgeon's yeah. church. Yeah. But it just, it just says for 36 years, he pastored that church. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't speak yeah. much to its size. Right. Doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know I exactly. That's a good. Well, thank you for trying, by the way. Thank yeah, you for that. Welcome. Um, Christ organizes these two offices. It says, it it highlights too the fact that they are given uh, for the peculiar administration of ordinances and execution of power or duty, which Jesus, which he entrusts with them or calls them to. So why is it so important to remember? And we've talked about this before a little bit, but why, why do you think they continually reiterate that the church's officers only have delegated and therefore limited powers? Um, they can only do what Jesus Christ has entrusted them to do. You see the emphasis even in the the statement there. They're they're contis- consistently wanting to make sure that that deacons do what deacons are called to do, and pastors do what pastors are called to do. Not more and not less. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important? I mean, I think we see that though in all facets of life, right? Husbands, this is what you're supposed to do. Not more, not less. Mm-hmm. Wives, this is what you're supposed to do. Children, this is what you are supposed to do. Uh, slaves, slave masters. We have this government, right, civil government. This is why you're there. This is what yeah. you're supposed to do. You don't overstep the church. This is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, and it's because it's God's order. It's God's plan. It's what God's design is. And we have to remember, uh, I think this was said already, but that Christ is the head of the church. Mm-hmm. He leads the church. And then we do have these offices, but they have their specific power that they can't overstep. They shouldn't overstep. Uh, but they also shouldn't not do some of the power that they have. Yeah. They need to fulfill yeah. that so that the church will be what God has called it to be. That we right. so we can be the body of Christ, so that we can be the family mm-hmm. uh, that we are called to to be. I think it's just important for us as pastors <clears throat> from that passage that I read earlier that Christ is the chief shepherd. Yeah, mm-hmm. these aren't our sheep. Yeah, it's yeah. good. They're they're not ours. Yeah. We don't have ultimate say so of what we're supposed to do with them. We're caretakers mm-hmm. yeah. for stewards. a very limited time. Yeah, we're stewards. Mm-hmm. And I think that just changes the mindset with which you approach ministry for, as pastors yeah. Yeah, and definitely. as deacons. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives a sense of humility um, about what you're doing and reverence yeah. for what you're doing uh, because you've been called by Christ. And, yeah, going outside of what he's told you to do would be disastrous for yourself yeah. and the church. Right. And it, yeah, and I think there's the the temptation is in church life. I think uh, it's safe to say, is we're all either either pastors and or the members are going to want the pastors to do stuff 
or the pastors are going to want to do stuff that they have not been entrusted with, or they're going to want to say, don't do that, that you're actually called to do. So for instance, you know, like we've talked about before, they're going to maybe want to add on to the job description and take away certain aspects of the job description that Jesus Christ has given. Um, and pastors may tend to want to do that or the, or people, the members may want to do that. So it's so important for us to stay, to run in our lane, the, the, what Jesus Christ, um, has, has delegated and limited us to do because that stuff works whenever we're running in the lane that of, uh, of Christ, Christ's ways. Uh, lastly, it says here, Christ has instituted this order to the end of the world. So until he comes back, this is what we're supposed to, this is the organization that his church is to take. Uh, should we be able to change the church's organization in the 21st century context? Are we so different today that we can achieve, that we should adjust this I think at, a, at, a, at the most essential and core right, level? Right. Yeah. The answer would be no. I mean, that's where we, we need to see the pastor, the deacon, the structure that they have there. Things are going to change because culture changes because times, because times change. Like, being in a house church versus being in a church that has a building causes things to have to change, right? Somebody needs to mow the grass. Being in a persecuted country changes the way that yeah. you do yeah. things versus, versus exactly. being in a free country. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that will change how the church functions on a regular basis. But when we see the role of pastor and deacon that is essential to the life of the church and then what they are called to do, right? So like Lord's Supper <laughs> and baptism, preaching the word, these are non-negotiables that must happen and must be maintained because those aren't cultural. That's a, that's a God-given command mm -hmm. to the church. Mm -hmm. So while some things will change for sure, uh, that main, those main things cannot. Yeah. And, and even going along with that, like the main things, like the old saying, keep the main thing the main thing, you know, that has to stay. But contextually, you know, you can have, you know, um, those offices that are consistent to scripture and yet also have like you know um, ministry positions or ministry teams that are like doing creative arts like you know think about Los and there's an SBC church that I I don't know if it's still around but that was had like a creative arts ministry you know and they had a creative arts director to help with the con context there or you know um, like I even like um, other type of ministry roles that are helping with that unique context, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But the keeping the the ordinances or the or the offices consistent. Although you can have, like I said, you can have different um, how you express that in your context. You can, it can be different sure. as far as staff think, I, and that kind of stuff. I think one of the things that makes me so frustrating to some of our members is my desire to scale back to look more just like this instead of all the other things. Because like what a lot of people would do in our culture, I think, is to expand. Let's expand, right? Let's do all these other things. Yeah. And I think it's just uh, exhausting. I think it's exhausting on a church. I think it's exhausting on people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so exhausting is because that's not what the church necessarily has been called to do. You know, I, I, I would rather see it more scaled back as we have pastors here and we have deacons here and we gather together and we worship God. We gather together to learn the word of God. Um, and sometimes we gather together just for fun as a church family. We want to do that. Uh, we gather together to pray, and we think that's a smart thing to do. And then we leave this place, 
and we go out into a world that's lost. And so individually, we love on lost people, we care for lost people, we share the gospel with lost people, uh, but we continue to remember that our family is our church family, and so we care for each other throughout the week. And it doesn't have to be this grandiose organized event and stuff. It's it's just church people being church people. As they hear the word of God and they're changed by God, they're just out, out doing that. Um, and so... As a church, we have the privilege of joining our church members in ministering to our community, right? And so an example of that would be uh, if some church member came to us, let's say, and they were like, hey, I was talking to my neighbor who I'm getting to know, and they lost their job. And they were just kind of you know, sharing with me that it's been hard. Do you think the church could do something for them? Right? That's not an organized plan thing, but it could be where then the, then the church is like, well, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's help them with some groceries, you know. Let's get them something. Here's, you know, here's a gift card to Kroger or Walmart or whatever. Go, go do that, right? We didn't need all this other stuff. It's just one of our church members talked to their neighbor and out of compassion for them wanted to help them and have the church help if they could. And we did. And we just shared the love of Christ with somebody in that tangible way uh, without having a committee, right, or some organized thing. Uh, that's what I mean by scaled back, you know, not having to plan off. Or like you mentioned, creative arts. Mm-hmm. I don't ever foresee us having a creative arts person, yeah. but I always foresee us having people who are creative in arts in mm-hmm. our church. And I would guess when they're not here, one of their hobbies is to do that sort of stuff wherever they do that mm-hmm. stuff. And I would say, well, when you do that, you should minister to the people around you. Mm-hmm. You should love them and care for them. And yep. you're essentially doing what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's what I mean by scaled back. Yeah. I think a lot of people hear scaled back and they think lazy. And it's like, no, Mm-mm. what I mean is being what we've been designed to be. And it usually doesn't mean doing less. It just means doing more of what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Because oftentimes it, those things that we're scaling back take up so much time yeah. and energy and resources. It keeps you from doing the things that you're actually supposed to be doing as a mm-hmm. church. Yeah, we just have so many different people here. We have people who, you know, have, like I said, all kinds of different hobbies and likes and whatever. And so I don't want to be the sports church or the music church or the drama church or the movie church, right? I don't No, mm-hmm. We have all those people in our church. And so we can actually do all of those things if our members yeah. would just go and mm-hmm. be who they're supposed to be mm-hmm. in Christ outside of these walls, you know, and... Yeah a great thing that it it relieves a lot of pressure but at the same time i think it accomplishes a lot more Mm -hmm. than having to plan out something you know and work through all these things and and then you know usually as pastors or whoever it is in the church organizing that thing it's a lot of extra time and all this i just think it sounds a lot better of hey how about you come on sunday morning how about you come on sunday evening come on wednesday if you can and the rest of the time just be faithful to god out there and then we'll gather here and we'll worship. We'll have Lord's Supper together. And as God works in people's lives, we'll baptize them. And uh, it'll all be good. Right? We'll be doing exactly what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it looks a lot like Acts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 But, but, but it, that is where a lot of pushback comes, honestly. As I yeah. try to talk about that, it almost is like great confusion. Right. Like, what? Right. And it's... And it's uh, I think it's a hard thing to explain at times because, like you said, Scott, it seems like wanting to do less. 
and like less love for everybody. It's like, no, that's, it's not what it is. I just think our love can be done a little better. If that makes sense. No, that didn't make sense to you. No. Yeah. No. Better. So yeah, I'm going to be looking over. forward in the next episode uh, to what Scott was thinking about earlier. And, um, <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll so soon, we'll hopefully. do that. And, um, yeah, we will, we will stop this right now though. So for the Patreon uh, members <laughs> there, they're able to, uh, yeah. subscribe to that, um, and everything. So we thank you for listening to this and uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care. God bless.